Hello and welcome back to the American Cultist Podcast. My name is Sean Prober and you're once again joining me to discuss all things American and how best to proceed. Now, in in passing news, uh, Facebook is no longer going to take down posts or or make their notations on posts that uh, say that the corona could have very likely come from a lab in China, the Wuhan flu theory. And, you know, to look at it as an objective viewer, which I'm, I'm obviously not an objective viewer, but to look at the failures now into this world of Facebook fact-checking and to look and see the failures that have already occurred, and see the websites that have been taken off, people banned, people losing credibility, um, and overall the suppression of truth, which is very damaging for a society. Now that we've seen this occur, even in the short period of time, on such a consequential item, well, doesn't that kind of throw a wrench in it? Wouldn't somebody logically, at this point, if, it, if it's about truth and not about politics, wouldn't you look at it now, given this bad track record and, and the detrimental things that could happen with the suppression of truth, and not look, not think about just changing it? It's, it's very telling. It, as I said, to repeat... If it were about truth, it would be over now. You'd have to. You'd look at the record and you'd say, "Well, this is this is horrible. We're we're suppressing actual actual facts. We're pushing silly narratives, and uh, we we should give it up." But the the monopoly of the narrative is the goal. So just jumping in to our topic today, which is the the limitations on free speech. I wanted to discuss kind of a history of the decisions that shaped uh, America's First Amendment, as well as the motivation behind previous attempts to mitigate speech in America, and a bit about what kind of expectations we should have moving forward uh, with our speech. So, despite its prominent plating in the lore Americana, Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes's clear and present standard, exemplified by shouting fire in a crowded theater, has been recognized as inconstant, prone to bias, and unsatisfactory at explaining the threshold of America's First Amendment. The case in which the standard was established, uh, Schenck versus the United States, was a landmark decision in defining the limits of the First Amendment. Schenck distributed draft opposition flyers, calling the state act a form of involuntary servitude that violated the 13th Amendment. Now, for that affront, for that egregious act, Schenck was found guilty of violating the Espionage Act of 1917. When just a few months later, self-proclaimed revolutionists threw anti-war pamphlets from the window of a building in New York City. 
they would too <laughs> they too would fall prey to the standard now of note here and, and this kind of harkens back to what we we're just talking about with covid oliver wendell holmes perhaps seeing a self-administered crack in pandora's box dissented in this decision in the judge's eyes shanks material coaxed readers into committing a crime, dodging the draft, while the defendants involved in Abrams disseminated material focused on America not involving itself in Russian affairs. We're talking about the, um, the Russian Revolution. Now, to the majority of the court, the distinction was of no consequence. So once again, if, if it was about the truth, if it was about this standard... And we're already seeing that the person that invented the standard no longer even has control over it, and it's spinning out of control and getting people that he doesn't even believe it should cover. Doesn't that point to the idea that we need to change that at that moment? But that's not what happens here, and, and Justice Holmes would once again be thwarted by his clear and present standard when Githlow, or Githlow, uh, versus New York resulted in another socialist's conviction being upheld by the highest court without much clear and present uh, danger involved. Now, this section on the site is actually called Literal Nazis. So, um, there's a great picture. I was actually kind of un unfamiliar with this story. That 20,000 American Nazis rallied at Madison Square Garden in 1939. You really should t take a look at that. I'm going to throw a link in the description. Very, very interesting. Well, free speech cases uh, before World War II were typically related to individuals with socialist connections critiquing the American state. The use and impact of German propaganda turned the world's attention towards, quote-unquote, hate speech. And Germany led this, the led the way here, aiming to prevent any resurgence of the Nazi ideology. But Western Europe would follow suit with their own race relations laws. Uh, because these laws never work as intended, the first person who violated such a law in England was a black man insulting a police officer. Um, <laughs> the fruit of Germany's efforts, even modern day, are, are women like 89-year-old Ursula Haufebeck uh, being imprisoned for two years as a result of denying the Holocaust. Now, would I, would I consider denying the Holocaust at a cocktail party a, a bad movie? Yeah, probably. But, but should somebody be locked in jail? Should an old woman be locked in jail because she's not saying something? You know, we talk about progress in Germany. That's disgusting. Despite its, <laughs> uh, despite uh, being inconsistent and illogical sometimes to limit socialist criticism of the state, the United States would continue its tradition of protecting hate speech under the First Amendment, diverging from all industrialized countries on that matter. In the 1970s, literal neo-Nazi Frank Collin and his National Socialist Party of America and PSA requested a permit to hold a white power demonstration in the North Shore suburbs of Chicago. The village of Skokie would go on to pass three ordinances, rendering it impossible 
for the group to hold their events. Now, these three were bans on military-style uniforms during demonstrations. Obviously, if these are Nazis, they're going to need their uniforms. So that's, that's, that's very, very tough, even on just A. Uh, prohibition of the distribution of materials containing hate speech, being number uh, two, and C, a requirement of $350,000 insurance bond uh, to hold a demonstration, which is an incredible amount. One second, I, I should be shutting my speakers. They're represented by the ACLU. Uh, Collins' attempt to appeal these injunctions were unsuccessful in lower courts. After further rejection by the Illinois Appellate Court and the Illinois Supreme Court, the case was brought to the Supreme Court. Ultimately, the court rejected Skokie's injunction, unlike all the previous courts, ruling that displays of the swastika are a symbolic form of free speech entitled to First Amendment protections. Nadine Strossen, an American civil liberties activist and former president of the ACLU, called the case part of the gradual process of the 20th, in the 20th century to strengthen the First Amendment's protection, narrowed by the earlier decisions on socialism. As the activist put it, Illinois' restriction on Nazi hate speech were so broad that they could have been equally used to prohibit Martin Luther King Jr. demonstrations in Skokie. As indicated this case, and this is a point that you're going to hear a lot, and, and, you, and you should be thinking about this as you watch the news a lot. As indicated in this case, there are times when the state fights to maintain power under the guise of fighting white supremacy. The same as it wanted to use race or international socialism. There's, there's no difference. And the exaggerated fear and the exaggerated news stories we see constantly about white supremacy and these messages from Joe Biden and these messages from the FBI, this is nothing more than the usual trick. Current day slippage. Now, expanding into the 1980s, feminist theory, critical race theory, and other alternative discourse attacked mainstream and official speech as inherently oppressive, the white male-dominated discourse. Consequently, a conversation began revolving the, uh, around the protection of oppressed and marginalized groups. With the number of degrees awarded in the humanities rising almost every year from 1987 to 2015, these theories, primarily pioneered by Marxist thinkers of the Frankfurt School, have become mainstream thought. It should not be a surprise when a Pew report in 2015 indicated that the theories are starting to increase in popularity, with 40% of millennials supporting the notion of a state restricting speech that is offensive to minorities. If current demographic changes in behavior remain constant, the majority will soon believe the stances we see below, which could be deplorable to um, to pretty much any any. Uh, any conservative or any kind of libertarian or or really anybody uh, who values it. Now let me let me pull this up because it's probably the the more controversial uh, this whole thing. I think it's it's worth mentioning. So when when we were asking these questions about hate speech to different groups. There are tremendously different 
kind of responses from African Americans and Hispanics as opposed to white Americans. Uh, to break this down, so uh, free speech does, does more to protect majority opinions, not minority viewpoints. So um, we have blacks 59% agree, Hispanics 49, whites 34. Uh, not too bad. Supporting someone's right to say racist things is as bad as holding racist views yourself. So that's saying that someone has a right to say racist things is just as bad as being a racist. Now, 65% of African Americans, 61% of Hispanics, and 34% of whites. Well, that's an interesting concept. Uh, now, people who don't respect others don't deserve the right of free speech. I'm not even sure what that actually means. 59% of African Americans, 62% Hispanics, 36% uh, whites. What is that? People who don't respect others. Okay. So you don't, you're not respectful, and then you don't, you're not covered under uh, the First Amendment. Okay. So now this is this is a good one. Hate speech is an act of violence. Seventy-five percent of African Americans, seventy-two percent Hispanic, forty-six percent white. Shame, shame on all of those groups. That's that's far too high. Our society can prohibit hate speech and still protect free speech, which, of course, is a ridiculous. I mean, it's a contradiction. Um, but so 69% African-American, 71% Hispanic, 49%. Most of these are just so out there that they're nonsensical. Uh, people usually have bad intentions when they express offensive opinions. Maybe they don't find them offensive. 70% um, African-American, 75% uh, Hispanic, 52%. So everybody agrees that. it's. I guess it's almost like saying if you, people have bad intentions... Um, when they when they say bad things but uh, i would say that that hate speech is an act of violence it is quite the most telling and when we look at our our demographic changes and the imminent changes that are, are going to be coming in in the next 30 or 40 years well we will see the majority take take these opinions that we'll see that what it's like to live in a society when 75% somewhere, 72 to 75% believe uh, these kind of concepts that saying something hateful is the same thing as physically harming someone. We'll see what kind of consequences that has to a legislation that's eager to please. But for those who uh, support state suppression of speech most vocally, there is so rarely any discussion of the mechanisms of censorship. For instance, who would be the arbiter of whether or not you should hear something? Would it be Alicia Garza? Would it be Mitt Romney? Or Liz Cheney? These you know, sources of truth uh, 
that that have been exalted above all others in recent days. Uh, the loudest voices in the room are typically the ones you most most need to look out for. So as we've seen from the last century, there's always a specter to fear or something the majority wishes to silence. But you'll be wise to remember the standards you support creating today are likely to be used against you tomorrow. Uh, thank you once again for joining us on American Cultist. We hope you come back. Have a great weekend.